Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 96 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 20th of January 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, part 28. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. You've got your Bibles open there. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy and precious Word. We're just going to read three verses, verses 18 through 20, as we stand. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Father, thank you again for this time that we can have and share together this morning. We know that so many of our folks are not able to be here, but we thank you for each one that's been able to make it. We just pray now over these next moments, Lord, that you would take and by the power of your Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. You knew who would be here this morning and who wouldn't. You know what the needs are. And Father, we just pray that you would take and, and speak to each one as only you can speak and that we would be receptive and responsive to that which you have for us. We'll truly give you all the praise and thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right, we're making headway. It looks like I think we're up to sermon number 96 in our current series of Contending for the Faith. They can't accuse us of rushing through it, that's for sure. And we've been, for the past year, we've been looking at the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who would have ever thought that even I could find enough to preach on for a year concerning the church? But we're not finished yet. And uh, it is one of the most glorious subjects that, uh, that we can find and one of the greatest privileges in the world to be a part of it. We've been most recently looking at the operation of a New Testament church. This is part nine on that. We began last week looking at the ministry of witness. We looked at the ministry of worship already and all the things that worship entailed and what worship is supposed to be all about. And then last week we began looking at this ministry of, uh, of witness. And of course we made some, uh, uh, some pretty strong statements. Uh, we recognize that as we look at all the things that we looked at and how the Bible defines the, uh, uh, the church, uh, particularly when we look at us as the church being the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, being a building, the holy temple of, of, of God, uh, when we look at it as, uh, as this body being made up of all these different members working together with Jesus Christ as the, as the head of that, uh, it's not surprising then as we look because the Bible teaches us very clearly that uh, Jesus Christ came to earth for a purpose. And I know it might be disappointing to some, but it wasn't for our bake sales and it wasn't for our bingo and it wasn't for all that glorious fellowship that we have and all that food that we eat together and all those things. That's all part. That's not the reason why we're here. That's just one of the, some of the things that help get us through while we're here. 
Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we looked at a number of passages. That's why he came. That was what was planned by God before this earth ever came into existence. Before God ever created the first one, he had already planned that Jesus Christ, because he knew how bad we'd mess it up. He knew that we would not be able to live up to the holiness that is required to have everlasting life because the wages of sin is death. When sin came into the world, death came with it. We look around us, everything around us is dying, whether it's the, the plant life or the animal life and certainly the human life because of sin. So God had a plan in place. And that plan was to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ as he came. And we've already looked at so many things. When you begin to look, you know, the Bible doesn't contradict itself in any way. We find that even when Jesus was leaving, he came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He made a promise when he went away that when he went away, he was going to send another, that paraclete, that comforter to come alongside us so that we wouldn't be alone. What was the purpose of that? We looked at a number of sermons on the Holy Spirit that the work of Christ might continue on this earth that Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit could be present within each and every believer, that the work of Christ could carry on and carry forth. We find that we could say many things there, but we won't go back. The simple truth, the simple message is this, folks. Jesus came that the lost could be saved. Jesus sent his Spirit that the lost could be saved. Jesus has a church that he is building here upon this earth that the lost might be saved. We looked at a number of things last week. We said, first of all, that the ministry of witness is crucial, is crucial for the church. What do you mean, preacher? We look back in Scripture. Even that very first church that began there in Jerusalem, the Bible says that when Peter got through preaching what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> that there were like 3,000 people saved that day. There was a very, very important passage there that said that and he added them to the church daily, such as should be saved. Such as should be saved. That's why he added to the church. And that's the only way to be added to the church. There's only one way, you know, coming inside of a building, signing some membership card, being dunked in the baptistry, all these different things. None of that makes us a Christian. Christianity is about a new birth. It's about a new beginning. It's about not just remodeling the old, but making new, a new creation in Christ. I forgot to tell the kids they could go out to children's church. Go ahead, youngsters. You should have waved me down or something. You know. We find that preacher Peter turned around and preached a second sermon. You know what? It was the gospel. At that time, it wasn't 3,000 saved. It was 5,000 men, not counting the women and kids. At least 5,000 people were saved during his second message of proclaiming the gospel. That's how the church was birthed. That's how it began. The only way that the church could be built, as we've already looked at in Scripture, was for those that come to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the only ones that are part of the church of Jesus Christ. Many people are part of churches and religious organizations down here, but that's not the one we're concerned about. We're concerned about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're representative of that. We saw that as we began and we worked our way through the book of Acts, it was, it was you know, it was so clear. I mean, all they did, they witnessed, they witnessed, they witnessed, they witnessed, and people were saved, and the church was growing, and they witnessed some more, and more people were saved, and the church was growing, and 
Yep, they were being thrown in jail. <laughs> Their lives were being threatened. They were trying to be silenced all this time until finally, finally they were. Persecutions came upon them so much that the Bible says they were scattered abroad. And you know what happened when they were scattered abroad? The Bible said they went everywhere preaching the gospel. I mean, you know, they just got kicked out of their homes. They got run out of town. The only ones left in Jerusalem then were the apostles. All these thousands of Christians were run out of town on a rail. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Witness, witness. The first martyr, when Stephen, he stood there before the council proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It cost him his life. There was one standing there watching by the name of Saul. Saul consented to his death. And the Bible says he went everywhere, literally making havoc of the churches, throwing them in jail, throwing them in prison, thinking he was doing God a favor. Then the strange thing happened because that same witness, that same gospel got a hold of him too. And he got saved. And then we follow not only the other apostles, but Paul as well, right through the book of Acts, witnessing, witnessing, witnessing. That was what they did. You don't find them doing all those other things. They're witnessing, witnessing, witnessing. That was their purpose. Yes, the doctrine was being taught. Yes, all the preaching was taking place. Yes, they were fellowshipping one with another for the purpose, though, of going out there and witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simple, folks. Without the ministry of witnessing, number one, the church would not exist. There would be no Christian church. There could be no Christian church. And bear this in mind. Without the ministry of witness, the Christian church would not continue. It could not grow anymore. Not one more person could become part of that church if it wasn't for somebody witnessing to them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way the real church can grow. How important is the ministry of witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ to us as individuals? Do you realize without the ministry of witness, you would still be on your road to hell today? If you're here and you're not saved... If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that's your way. That's your way to heaven. That's your way to eternal life because you will pay the price of sin if you don't accept the fact that he paid it for you. The ministry of witness. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're still here. That's how the church exists, and that's the only way the church will continue. How important is that in your life? We can talk about the church being important to us all we want. But if we're not actively involved in the ministry of witness, I fear to say that maybe your words are saying more than your heart is feeling. It's critical. It's the only way. Then we saw something else. I could almost go back and preach last week's sermon again, I think, man. The ministry of witnessing. But it's not only crucial but we saw that it was central. <laughs> you see, it was crucial for the church to begin. It was crucial for the church to grow. It was crucial for the church to continue. But we saw through the book of Acts, it was central to everything that they did. We can pretend all we want. You know, it's important. It's extremely important. 
to try to help the homeless, to try to feed the ones that don't have, to try to help our neighbors, to try to do all these things that Christ would be doing if he were here. We can do all of that. And if we leave off the witness, then it's going to accomplish nothing in eternity. We find that I want to give you something else today. And it's very simple. And you've heard it before. But it needs to be reiterated because, you know, I want to tell you, folks, I, I, I said this last week, and I don't know how to put it any more simple. I'm just a simple guy. You know, worship is important. We meet together and we do all this worshiping, and, and it's so vital that we glorify God in everything that we do. But all the worship in the world is worthless without witness. If it's not Jesus Christ that's being witnessed to, I can't make it too important. I can't overstress it in your life personally and in this church because our life is not fulfilling the purpose that God has you here for, and our church is certainly not fulfilling its purpose unless the ministry of witness just, as it was all through the New Testament, central to everything that the church is doing. But there's a third one. We saw it in our passage that we read today. And this one simply says this. It says, and he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking. We've already seen, we've already established here. He's speaking to his apostles. It tells us clearly, of course, Judas has gone out and hung himself by now. In verse 16, it says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They were still kind of confused at this point. They were still trying to work out, you know, what was going on. They just seen this one that they loved so much hung before the world. Cruel death. We find that Jesus takes them aside. Remember, we've already established they are the foundation of the New Testament church. He chose them. He personally discipled them. He sent them out two by two. He used them to begin to proclaim that gospel the only way that then others were added to that church that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? We find that uh, he makes it pretty clear the consequences of not doing so, because he tells us that, you know, in the gospel of Mark, the same command that's being given, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, the ministry of witness is crucial. It's central for Christians, it's commanded. It's, it's not an optional thing. It's, something, it's not something that ought to be a part of our life if we've got time, if work doesn't take too much, if home doesn't take too much, if all these other things don't take too much. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. A missionary in Africa was once asked if 
if he really liked what he was doing. I mean, they were in pretty dire conditions and, you know, it's kind of hard to look and to figure out, you know, how can you enjoy those things? Well, his answer was a little bit shocking. He said, do I like this work? He said, well, my wife and I don't really like all the dirt. <laughs> and he said, you know, we don't really like having to crawl through all these piles of goat refuse to get into the huts that we call home. I said, no, there's plenty of things around that we can honestly look at and say that we don't necessarily like it. But he asked this question. But is a man to do nothing for Christ that he does not like? God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. He says, we have orders to go, and we go. And I love these last three words. Love constrains us. Love constrains us. You see, the Bible clearly teaches us that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price. We're, we're, we're shown this great love that we find so hard to comprehend of how God could love us so much, why he would love us so much. Why would he put himself through what he put himself through on the cross of Calvary so that your sins could be forgiven, so that your sins could be done away with, so that instead of the wages of sin being death, you could experience the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Christians, believers, part of the church, I'm speaking to you now. He said, simply, if ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. I don't know about you. <laughs> I love word studies, but I don't need to go back to the Greek to figure that out. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I've asked you to do. Do what I have commanded you to do. We find that James put it another way. In James chapter 1, notice what he says in verses 22 to 25. It's easy to hear this message. You know, one of the most frustrating things for a preacher sometimes is that it's easy to say words. It really is. And you know what? It's even pretty easy sometimes when God starts dealing with us to actually be genuine and sincere about those words. But God's not interested in just our words. He's interested in our actions. It's one way to say I love God. Well, you know, folks, <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Can I say, if the ministry of witness is not a daily part of your life, and I, and I, and I said last week that if it's no, important, no more important to us to church that we think that our coming along on Sunday mornings will suffice, but we're not interested in being a part of the church, reaching out to the community, to the city, to the world, through our missions, to win the loss to Christ, then I'm not sure how sincere we are about that love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep 
my commandments. James put it this way. He said in verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Notice the next words, deceiving your own selves. It's amazing what we can convince ourselves of sometimes. <laughs> it's amazing how we can just rationalize things away. And the devil's sitting back and folks, he's laughing at us. He's having, you know, a heyday just taking back. So, oh, they think they got it worked out. They think they're on the way. They think they're doing it. We're going to see some other things. Right now, I just want us to grasp this. This is a command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Word of God says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He's looking in the mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Can, can I say it this, this simply? It doesn't really matter what we come along and hear today in this service or any other service for that matter. It doesn't matter how much that we spend our time reading God's Word, putting it into our hearts and our minds, studying it and understanding it. Matter of fact, you can actually memorize it from cover to cover and be able to quote it without even looking at it. And all that's fine and well. But if it's not working out of our lives, if there's not actions coming from it, he doesn't want us just to be hearers, but doers of what he's saying. We can convince ourselves that we've done our bit by going along to church and hearing God's word, hearing the Bible preached. He said, I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to do what it says. Don't be hearers only, but doers of his word. God's word. God's word is what changes a life. A person would never know. They would never know. They could look around and the Bible says they can look at creation and they can know if they've got any common sense even that there's got to be a God out there. If you really try to sit down a figure and think all of this just happened by accident and coincidence, you wouldn't believe that about anything else in your life that is far simpler than one living creature, than one human being. It's not an accident, and it's not a coincidence. But God, in all of his wonder, he's made it possible. He's made it possible for your sins to be dealt with. And he's commanded us as those that already believe. You see, if it weren't for God's word, you would never know that you were a sinner. The world can't tell you that. God's Word can tell you that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. When we look at it, we might compare ourselves to somebody else and think, I'm a pretty good person. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the bullseye. And I don't care how perfect a 
I've said before, you could be the, the most perfect human being that's ever walked on the face of the earth. You're going to miss the bull. You're going to miss the bullseye. You're going to miss the glory of God is what it compares to because anything less than that, the wages of sin is death. God doesn't want you to know death. He wants you to have life. He wanted you to have it so much he's done everything that's necessary. We sang that song a while ago. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You think, you think that you don't have time to be more of a witness. You think you don't have time to be more involved in that which matters most. Trust and obey. Well, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He's commanded it of you. He's the one that said go. He didn't say when it's convenient. He didn't say when this doesn't hinder you and that doesn't hinder you. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to, what's the next word? Every creature, every human being. We're going to talk more about that in our, in our next point, but right now, you see, all too often, and I'm afraid in, in, in all too many churches, it's a challenge to get people to see the, the importance of this simple command from our Lord and that it's, it's binding upon each and every one of us as individuals and it's binding upon us as a bound together body of believers together in the church. But then there's another danger as well. You see, some would read this passage and then to some degree, maybe great or small, they would be involved in a missions program. I mean, they're supporting missionaries to go out all over the world. They might be supporting 10 or 20 or 100 or hundreds. And so somehow they have fulfilled this command because of all this money that they're giving to these missions. I'll tell you what, it's important to give our money. That's a whole other subject. But that doesn't get us around this command. That's part of the way that we can obey it, by sending others where we cannot go ourselves. You see, when we talk about missions, it's not just about people in those dirty huts in Africa somewhere. It's not about those people that are living in the, the jungles of South America. It's not about those that are working with the drug addicts on the city streets of Dublin and all these other places that we support missionaries. You see, what missions is really about is each and every one of us continuing the mission of Christ. It's the mission of Christ. That's what missions is about. Why did he come? To seek and to save that which was lost. You see, we've already seen that the mission of Christ is unquestionable. 
that it's so clear in the Word of God that we can't even, we can't even bring doubt upon it. This commandment is about that specific mission that Christ came for, to seek and to save that which is lost. It's about that specific mission in every area of our personal and our corporate lives, individually and as a church body. The command to go and win the lost to Christ through the proclaiming of the gospel it is binding upon every believer and every church. It's binding right here at home in Ward in Birmingham to the farthest reaches of the world. It's just as binding everywhere. I give you a couple of verses. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said. Both. B-O-T-H. Both. It doesn't say either. Both. Brother Monty, what does it mean when we're talking about both? It means at the same time, doesn't it? It doesn't mean either or. Both. They're together. He says both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, he was speaking to them in Jerusalem. So that's where it began, both right here where you are in the city, in the town that you're in right now, and in all Judea, if we would, in, right here in Birmingham, and right throughout England, without, with right, right throughout this entire country that we're in, and in Samaria, and to the utmost parts, but don't stop with Birmingham, and don't stop with England. Yet spreads out to those neighboring countries. And a matter of fact, he said, right to the farthest reaches, both at the same time. I cannot overexpress. You can't be a part of this church for very long and realize and understand the importance that we place upon missions. God will bless you. God will honor you. You can't outgive God. You got more than you'll ever have. He'll bless you when you put that first. But we can't somehow ease our conscience by thinking that, well, we're doing it through the missionaries and not doing it in our Jerusalem, in our hometown where God has placed us. There's nothing more important. Look, you might as well get this. Simple truth is, when they started out in Jerusalem, I mean, man, after the first message, they wanted to throw the guys in jail and shut them up. After the second one, they locked up. They want to actually just do away with them. They just want to kill them, get them out of the way. We don't do it. We don't do it to make enemies but it's not going to make us the most popular people in town. Well, you know, simple truth is this. You may or may not like me as a person. You may or may not like what I say or the way I preach or anything else. Simple truth is none of that matters in eternity. What do you think of Jesus? Jesus Christ died on the cross 
for you. That your sins could be, there is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We live in a pluralistic society. All these different religions, they've all got their own way that they want to get to heaven. Simple truth is, they're not going to like it. If the Bible's not God's word, we're in trouble. If we've got to start begin to take man's word, man's religions, man's way of somehow being okay in eternity, we're in big time trouble. It's got to be God. It's got to be his word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You believe God's word. He tells you what Jesus did for you and why that he did it. He was the greatest example that ever came. He split all the time wide open. Nobody has ever had such an influence right down through the hundreds and thousands of years. Simple truth is, he didn't come just to be a good influence. He didn't come to be the greatest teacher that's ever been. He came to die in your place because your sins bring death. But he said, okay, I'll take his death and her death. I'm going to die for their sins so that they can live forever. You see, that's trusting Jesus. Jesus did it for you. How can you ever understand and fully grasp that kind of love? And we are here for all kinds of reasons. You know, I, there's a lot of things I like in life. I look around, and, and, and y'all are a lot of wonderful, fine-looking, beautiful people. I enjoy your company and your fellowship and all those things. That's not what our church is about. I hope we can always be those things. I hope we can love one another. I hope we can always be there for one another. But together, we're a body, and that body is the body of Jesus Christ. You see, with everything, whatever else we do, the ministry of witness is crucial. It's the only way we exist. We would not be here, nor would any church anywhere continue or exist without the winning of the lost to Christ. It's central to everything that we do. All that we do is to make us better at witnessing is so that we can tell people about Jesus. They're not going to like it a lot of times. They're going to think we're a bunch of weirdos sometimes. As we go through some of these other points, Hopefully we can understand and grasp, folks, that really doesn't matter. You know, if they got to think bad of me in order to hear the truth, if that'll change their lives, fine, let it be. It's commanded. Jesus commanded it. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I want to give you one of the verse in closing. James also wrote this one in James chapter 4, verse 17. Very simple, very short, not hard to understand. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You see, so many times we get this weird idea that it's what we do bad that's the sin. It's all the wrong things that we do. Well, we all do enough wrong things. 
whether it's in thought, actions, deeds. But it's not just what we do that's sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I'm saying this to you clearly, folks, because I love you. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know that. It's a command of his. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's not just a bad thing. It's not just unfortunate. If you're not involved personally in the ministry of witness, it's sin. It's sin. We're missing the boat. We're missing the purpose. We can try to rationalize it. We can try to come up with all these ideas. Look, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want your life to have purpose. I want it to have the real purpose, the real meaning that God's got you for. Don't let Satan steal it away for all these things that are just temporal that don't really matter anyway. Let your life count for something. I told you this. I know none of you'd ever realize that at one time I, I used to be a little bit hard-headed. I, don't, I know that's hard to imagine, but I was. And you know, sometimes when God wanted to get my attention, I mean, he'd have to shake me real hard, Romani. I mean, really shake me, really, you know, smack me around and get my attention. Hey, I'm talking to you. <laughs> that's kind of what he had to do to me in a few ways to get me to come over here and pester you all these years, <laughs> to get me to England. But I came to a point after he had <laughs> knocked me upside the head a few times and got my attention, I came to believe Romani with everything within my heart that all that, that material things that I was being blessed with, all of it, that, you know, if, if, if God brought me to this wonderful, tropical climate <laughs> to spend the rest of my life. And if I never return to the shores of America again, that if God was doing that to keep one person out of hell, it was worth it. What value could you put? The privilege, folks. <laughs> That's your purpose in being here that somebody else might hear about Jesus and know what he did. Nothing else in all the world will change their lives. If you're here today, I want to invite you from the depths of my heart. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, I'm not asking you how religious you are or not. I'm not asking you what church you might belong to. I'm asking you, have you ever humbled yourself before God and asked for forgiveness for your sins, not because of what you won't do, not because of what you have done, not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus Christ did for you? Trusting him. Get it out of your head. Don't let Satan fool you. Nothing else will work. Nothing else will be there. You can turn over all the leaves in the world. You can go to all the church services in the world. You can have the best intentions in the world. But I don't want you to miss eternity someday with Jesus and go the other way because you wouldn't swallow that pride and just say, yeah, I've sinned. And I've tried to do right, and I've tried to do good, and I've tried to honor God. I believe in God. You know, the Bible says even the devils believed and trembled, but they didn't trust in him. 
They didn't repent from their sins. They didn't turn their back on that sinful way of life and say, I'm going to follow him instead. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm committing my life to him. If you've never done that, don't miss the boat. Don't, don't risk it on something else. The Bible is simple. Salvation is simple. Not easy. Matter of fact, it's real hard sometimes to get over that pride. Real hard to turn you back on everything that you've known that was sinful in your life. It's real hard to sell out and give your life, lock, stock, and barrel. Andrew, just to give it to somebody else. <laughs> to give it to God and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. Simple truth is, that's what you need to do today if you haven't. Christians, I pray. I pray as last week and this week and, I don't know, a week or two to come as we look at this ministry of witness. Oh, let's not miss the boat. <laughs> let's not take it lightly. Let's understand that is why you're here. That is why I'm here. That is our purpose. That is what will fulfill your life. That is what will make your life worth something. People worry about a legacy they're going to leave behind here. I'm talking about a legacy that you leave behind for eternity, forever. When someone comes to Christ, everything in this world is temporary. Whatever they think about you, whatever you stored up, is going away one day. Only what's done for Christ is eternal today. Oh, let's, let's, let's thank God that somebody somewhere along the way cared enough to witness one day the gospel to us in our hearing. And let us recognize we ought to look for every opportunity. I mean every opportunity that we could possibly have to tell somebody about Jesus. Whatever they're going to say, however they're going to react, whatever they're going to do, unless they hear it, they're never, ever, ever going to be able to respond to it. We're going to sing a closing hymn this morning. How many of you were here last Sunday? A few of you. I know some of you weren't able. Well, we're closing with the same song we closed with last Sunday. The simple truth is because if you're here and you're lost and you need to be saved, I want you to know something. There is absolutely nothing in all of the world I mean, you take the biggest problems, the biggest crises out there, there is nothing more important to us today. If you've got questions, if you want to talk to somebody, we're not going to coerce you. We're not going to twist your arm. We're not going to try to talk you into anything. But boy, if you don't know that you're saved, I'd sure like to take God's Word and show you how you can know that today. And I don't care what reason might be going through your head not to do it. It's not a very good one if you're willing to walk through those doors not knowing. And Christians, I want you to think about something. The ministry of witness. How much of your life does it have? It's crucial. There's absolutely no question about it. It's central to everything that we are and everything that we do. And it's commanded. So today, you really only have two choices. Obey or disobey. We'll do what he says. Or we'll try to come up with some reason Put it aside. We're going to simply sing the song, Set My Soul Afire, Lord.
And if you mean that today, Christian, will you sing that from your heart? Will you truly mean it? Will you truly, truly say to the Lord today, Lord, I'm yours. Take me. Show me. You know, there's not a one of us here today that could raise our hand if we honestly answered the question, how many of us have done everything that we should have to witness to others? I'd have to be the first to raise my hand. How many of us want to do more? How many of us will really grasp the importance that this has in our life? And that's why that it's lost its centrality. And so much of religion and quote-unquote Christianity today, but it doesn't have to lose its centrality in your life. Mm-hmm. 